Hey, history lovers. I'm Mike Rosenwald with Retropod, a show about the past rediscovered. If you stood in line to vote in this year's midterm elections, your feet were probably a little tired. But overall, you probably felt pretty good. You were, after all, embodying one of the great pillars of democracy, voting to be represented equally and fairly. But in many elections, that's become more of an ideal than a reality because of one word, gerrymandering. That funny-sounding word describes what happens when the majority party manipulates district boundaries to maximize their chances of winning as many seats as possible. How? Well, by forming districts that essentially lasso in enough voters with demographics favorable to their candidates. The practice has existed for a long time, and it's been used by Republicans and Democrats to guarantee wins. But gerrymandering didn't become a real electoral cudgel until relatively recently. Today, with the help of Martine Powers and the Washington Post political podcast, Can He Do That?, let's look back at the moment when gerrymandering really became a thing. It all started one morning in 2009, a year after the Republican Party was dealt a major blow following the election of Barack Obama. That morning, a Republican political strategist named Chris Jankowski sat down for breakfast and opened the newspaper. Jankowski worked for the Republican State Leadership Committee. His job was to get voters to give a darn about state legislative elections, which wasn't an easy task. You know, we were kind of the junior varsity, and, you know, JV only gets so much attention. As Jankowski thumbed through the paper, he came across a story about the census and how it affects Congress. The once-a-decade count of U.S. residents is used to decide how many seats each state gets in the House of Representatives. When states increase or decrease in size, new congressional districts of equal population must be drawn. It's a process known as redistricting. Typically, the governor and the state house and senate are responsible for creating those new voting districts. Well, a light bulb went off in Jankowski's brain. 2010, a census year, was just around the corner. Big Republican wins in state legislatures could give the party the upper hand in redistricting. Even if the Republicans won the House in 2010, which they ultimately did, they were still worried they would lose those seats two years later. After all, 2012 was an election year, and the thought was that Democrats would vote in droves and take those seats right back. Redistricting could effectively Obama-proof the House and hold it for the Republicans in the long term. It had all the makings of an electoral heist. The Republicans called it Project Red Map. Redistricting Majority Project. And then, you know, you take different parts of each word and it becomes Red Map. To fund the project, Jankowski and the party cobbled together $30 million and spread that money across obscure state races to garner wins for Republicans. Few people, especially Democrats, cared about the work Red Map was doing at first. 
the common assumption back then was that those races didn't matter for national races. But then, on election night in 2010, they started to see early signs of a shift. Um, some point around 3 a.m., when all the Western stuff came in, we were putting up stuff on the board, and uh, we were like, wow. In the end, they flipped 20 of the 88 state houses and senates that had elections that year. A historic political shift on the state level. A wave unlike anything anyone had seen. Now that Republicans had control of the majority of state legislatures around the country, Project Red Map could execute step two. Thanks to rapidly evolving technology, they had highly advanced mapping software that could process and analyze all kinds of different demographic data, like ethnicity, class, jobs, or educational background. They took all this information, they put it into a map, and then they drew and redrew until they came up with a map that worked best for the Republicans. In 2010, the Republicans took control by picking up 63 seats in the House. And come the next midterm in 2012, Barack Obama won the popular vote again, and Democrats did come out in mass. But because of the redistricting, the makeup of the House stayed almost the same. Just eight seats were turned over to Democrats, exactly as Chris Jankowski had intended. But gerrymandering isn't bulletproof. In the years since the 2010 census, neighborhoods have changed demographically. Populations have shifted, and the congressional maps drawn with laser-like precision to benefit Republicans are now less effective than they once were. The odds have changed, if just a bit. And then there's this. There are only a few more years before the 2020 census, when the redistricting process starts again. I'm Mike Rosenwald. Thanks for listening. Special thanks to Martine Powers and Carol Alderman, who produced this story for the series How to Flip the House. You can hear a longer version of that story by visiting wapo.st slash how to flip the house. And for more forgotten stories from history, visit washingtonpost.com slash retropod. <laughs>